Ooh, that's a long gospel, right? There's a shorter one, but I had Father Dave read the longer one. It took a whole about four and a half minutes. It's long when you're standing and trying to pay attention, right? I wanted to do the longer one because I, I think it's important for us to continue to hear that scripture and kind of the fullness uh, of what it is and the full story. And I think it's also important for us to realize how important that story is. Um, it's one of the more important stories in all of the Gospels. Now, I'm not going to be preaching specifically about that today, um, but I hope that you've heard other homilies about it, right? And that you were able to call to mind certain things that you've learned about that story, about the Samaritan woman, when listening to it. Uh, I will, however, be referencing a few of the statements that Jesus says uh, within it. I'd like to kind of start with uh, a phrase that comes from the first reading today. The first reading, the Israelites are out in Egypt and they're really thirsty. And they say, well, I kind of wish that I was back in Egypt, right? They say, well, why, why are we out here? And they say this statement, is the Lord in our midst or not? Is the Lord in our midst or not? And I don't know whether you've ever, well, <laughs> I can say for myself, and I assume for most of you, there has been some moment in your life where you've asked, is the Lord in my midst or not? Is the Lord here with me or not? You know, because this situation seems too difficult, right? This situation seems to not fit with God being here with me. And that's where the Israelites are today. And Moses is about to get stoned because they're so angry with him. This is a moment of despair, right? A moment of despair saying that I don't see any way out. I don't see any hope. Now, I don't know where you are specifically with this uh, coronavirus pandemic going on. Maybe you kind of say it's, it's all hyped up. It's too hyped. It's no big deal. You know, it's, they're blowing it way out of proportion. It's just disrupting our life. It's, it's you know, maybe, maybe you're there. Maybe you're taking it a little bit more seriously. You say, well, you know, maybe it is dangerous, you know. Maybe you are a little bit afraid. Well, we want to say, you know, in the life, I think a lot of people are asking, is the Lord in our midst, right? We do that sometimes in these national tragedies or, or other things. But I'd also say that we might be able to say it even without the pandemic in certain things in our life going on right now, right? Our society is going crazy. Even before the pandemic, right? Our society is going crazy. Uh, just with so many new things in so many different ways. And we ask, is the Lord in our midst, right? It seems like things are getting worse instead of getting better in a lot of ways of measuring, right? We can also look at our government and we can say, well, it just looks like, is it ever going to get better, right? Is the Lord in our midst? Like, we're trying to bring God into it. There's, but, but it seems like we're just frustrating Him, right? With the climate as a whole, right? No matter what you say, well, it seems like there's things that are changing, you know, with fires and floods and is the Lord in our midst, or is it just all randomly just becoming more chaotic, more terrible? And we can even ask the same exact question, is the Lord in our midst, when we look at the church, right? Over the last few years with the continued sex abuse scandal breaking and different scandals within the hierarchy of the church, is the Lord in our midst? 
And we can sometimes be so focused on that that we become blinded to really understanding the question. And we can say, is the Lord in our midst? And it seems as though not, right? With our personal experience right here in this moment. But thankfully, we don't have to judge everything just by this present moment. We have other things to bring into that conversation, into that question. Is the Lord in our midst? Well, one of the things that we should be looking at is history, right? History, hopefully, of our own life where we've experienced maybe great difficulty in asking, is the Lord in our midst? And we see the way that the Lord works. But even if we can't necessarily see that in our own life, we see it in all of history, all of salvation history from the very beginning of Adam and Eve, where it goes bad right away, right? goes bad right away, but yet God, even though that it gets worse before it gets better, God has a plan, and God is present in the midst, helping and guiding. We can look at the, the, that God is always with us in every situation, every situation. And we can see that and confidently know that and always have hope because of what we've seen in the past. We look at the situation in the first reading day of the Israelites, right? They got out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they're in the desert. And it seems like multiple times where they want to turn back and they say, like, this is way worse than what we had in slavery. But we know that what the, what the end result is, right? That God guides them throughout those 40 years, ultimately getting them to the promised land. But then even in that situation, sometimes it gets worse. We, we see right away in the history that the Israelites, as soon as they get to the promised land, they start going away from God. And so what does God do? Well, he, things get worse for the Israelites, and they actually get taken over and exiled out of the promised land. And it gets worse, but God is working in that and actually brings the Israelite people back to worshiping God the Father. And he brings them back with a humble and contrite heart. And the primary situation where we see and we ask, is God in our midst, is the situation where we see of Jesus. Where the second person of the Trinity takes on flesh and comes to be with us, and we don't like it. And so we, as humans, crucify, right? Torture and crucify God the Son. That is the darkest moment of all human history, right? And we look in that and we say, well, is God in our midst? Is God really real? But thankfully, we don't just have that moment to look upon. We see that the worst moment of human history, when we look back in hindsight, we actually see as one of the greatest moments that God worked out our salvation. That we see through that great darkness that God actually works His greatest good, brings about the resurrection, and gives us new life in Christ. And so we can look in all our situations, whether it's the pandemic today or or whatever thing that you're struggling with in your life, right? The Lord is in your midst. We're not left alone guessing you know, where is the Lord? The Lord is with us. Now, one of the other things that I'll say with the Lord being with us, and one of the beautiful things is that we 
don't have to worship a God that we don't understand. So Jesus says that, hey, we, the Jewish people, worship a God, we worship what we understand, but the Samaritans worship what they do not understand. And we get to follow in the line of the Jewish people, right? That we worship what we understand. Now, a lot of society worships what they don't understand, right? They worship novelty, the newest thing, the the right meditation, the right Eastern mysticism, the right business scheme, the right cure, the right thing. All those things that they don't understand is going to bring fulfillment all of a sudden to the world. But they don't, right? They don't. We worship what we understand. That we have a long history of knowing how God works and how he operates. And he actually tells us how to worship him, right? We worship in the way that we understand because we worship in the way that God has given us. This mass right here is the primary and most perfect way that we can worship the Father. Not because we made it up and we're, we, we think that we're better than other people. It's because it's the way that God actually gave us to worship him, right? In his, right at the start of his passion at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me, right? That he gives us how to worship the Father. And at the early church, it, it comes about through the Holy Spirit about how to celebrate and how to, how to celebrate the Eucharist and how to worship him. And so we participate here in the Mass. Unfortunately, what I'll say is that I feel like most Catholics don't really understand what we're doing, right? We worship what we understand, but we don't understand it. Because we don't understand what's happening at the Mass, right? There's a lot of signs and symbols. This is supposed to be the heavenly liturgy. This is given us to us by God the Son to worship and to worship God the Father through the Holy Spirit, and yet we don't know what's happening. So a lot of the time we feel bored or we feel confused or why does Father do that? Well, he just does it because he does it. Well, no, like we do certain things in the signs and symbols to help us to participate more in what we understand. And so I encourage you to to learn more about the Mass so that we might be able to understand and be able to worship God and see God in our midst, in the liturgy, the way that we participate and see God in our life, even here in the Mass. Now, I'm trying to do that during Lent, specifically by offering a series, uh, a series uh, on the the Mass. Um, And if you'd like to listen to the other homilies or listen to the future ones, you can uh, look at podcasts uh, where normal podcasts are with Superior Priest or go to my website, superiorpriest.com. I also encourage you as during this Lent to learn more about the Mass. One of the ways is by logging on to Formed, F-O-R-M-E-D, form.org. And they've got a few, they've got an amazing amount of resources. And the one that I really love is Catholic Elements of the Mass, which kind of breaks down the different parts of the Mass and kind of explains more of what's happening. And the videos are two to five minutes long and really encourage you uh, to, to look into that. What I'd like to talk about today is the little part that comes in between, sort of in between, the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. The liturgy of the word prepares us, right? It gives us the history of what we're celebrating. We hear of God's love for us, and we prepare for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and of ourselves. And so when we transfer into the liturgy of the Eucharist, one of the things that we do is we prepare the altar. And so you see the servers come up and bring the corporal and the other stuff. Uh, But also one of the other things that kind of is happening as a side thing 
is that all of a sudden the ushers come around and they start hustling you for money, right? And they're like, hey, here's a basket, you know, give some money. And we kind of feel like as if that's just a side thing, right? Father's getting the altar ready. We've got to keep the lights on. We've got to keep the doors open. And so we'll give five bucks, right? But actually that part of the mass, that part of giving is actually an integral part of the sacrifice, What's beautiful about it is that the money is collected, it's brought to the back, and it's brought up with the bread and wine. It's brought up with the bread and wine because thankfully the bread and wine don't cost very much anymore, right? Uh, so it's, it's pretty cheap, right? That's, that's the part that doesn't cost too much. But we bring the gifts of bread and wine with the gifts that are ourselves, right? And one of the ways that we give of ourselves is our time, our talent, and our treasure. And our treasure is money, Right? And so we try to make sure that money is in our God. We offer that and we bring that up with the gifts of bread and wine that become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And same thing with the money, that the money takes on and becomes something more because of offering it to God the Father. Now, uh, with that in the past... um, In the Old Testament, it was very clear that you were to give a tenth of everything that you took in. So it's actually called a tithe, right? You've heard of tithes before. Tithe actually means 10%. And so in the Old Testament, it's very clear. 10% of everything. And once you give that 10%, then the 90% is yours, right? You get to do with it however you want, right? The New Testament is a little bit different. The New Testament doesn't say that you have to give 10%. Uh, There's no strict law on 10%. Now you just have to give everything, right? It's much easier, much easier. Everything is God. We can't give 10% and then say, oh, now the 90%, I get to do with whatever I want. But actually, everything is God's. Now, I still encourage that 10% is a good marker to go by, right? Um, And so... um, I'd like to kind of break that down a little bit and kind of how, we, how you might give 10%. Um, I'd like to also just say one other interesting thing is we might say, well, it's really difficult to give 10%, right? So 10% of a $50,000 income is $5,000. Say so like, well, I can do a lot of things with $5,000, right? Uh, what, you know, what don't I get because of that? Well, what I'd encourage you to consider is, is um, one of the interesting things that different uh, studies have been like, hey, how much, it would, would, how much of an income would make a person financially secure? And what they've found by asking people of all different ranges of income is that everybody says, well, I'm a little bit financially insecure, but if I made, you know, a little bit more, then I'd be financially secure. But the interesting thing is that people who are at that stage say, well, if I made a little bit more, then I'd be financially secure. All the way up until to millionaires. Millionaires still say, well, if I made a little bit more, then I'd be financially secure. We realize that it's not a little bit more that's going to make us financially secure, but actually, I think, a sacrifice. To be able to say that I can't have everything that I want, and I'm going to offer a sacrifice to God, right? I'm going to do without certain things. I am going to will to sacrifice. And actually that helps you to be financially secure. This is an amazing thing. So if you gave 10% of a $50,000 income, it would be $5,000 over the year. However, I'm not asking, and I I wouldn't say or recommend to give 10% everything to the church here at Dobie. 
We have in the cluster a $2 million operation, which is pretty crazy. Uh, about a $1 million operation for the school and a million dollars for the other ones. Dobie, I think, has about a $220,000, $250,000 operating budget throughout annually. Um, and so, you know, money needs to continue to come in to continue to operate and continue to pay the continued bills and everything else. Um, but what I encourage is to make a goal of at least 10%. To, to give away, but 5% of that, I think a good goal is 5% to the church and 5% to other charities, to other charities, whatever that might be, whatever you see as a need of almsgiving or others. And so that would be 2,500. If you were making, you know, the average income for Barron County is $50,000. So kind of using that as a base, $22,500 throughout the year uh, to give that to the church and 2,500 to other charities. Now, if you broke that down to 5% of that income, it would be about $50 a week, okay? So about $50 a week is what you're looking at, uh, 4 or 5%, right? And so I encourage you to think about what you give. How do you participate in the Mass, in the giving, in the sacrifice that's offered, right? Jesus offered his entire self. What, what do we offer? Well, we might not be crucified today, right? Hopefully, right? Day's not over yet, um, but uh, 5% of your income, is, is that a participation in that, right? What, what percentage do you give? Maybe look at your finances and to say, well, everything, right? Finances has changed a lot over the last 10 or 20 years. Have you changed what you've given over the last 10 or 20 years? Has it adjusted with your income and what you're able to give or what you're uh, what you're kind of sacrificing in it, uh, to be able to say, yeah, what do I give? I also encourage uh, with that is sometimes, you know, you're not here every Sunday. And it's not because you don't go to Mass, you just go to Mass at other places, right? Uh, on Sunday if you're not here. However, we still have the normal bills here. And so one thing that I'd encourage you to consider is electronically giving. Uh, Aaron will help you out at the office. He'll be happy to help you uh, if you ever stop by there. You can also go online and do it uh, through a credit card or anything else, set reoccurring payments. And, and, you know, you might say, well, I like to put it in the basket, and that is a really nice thing, and, and that's why we have it. And I, and I want us to think about the giving every single time that the basket goes around, right, even if you're giving electronically. Uh, but one of the nice things about electronically is that it's a consistent thing whether you're here or not you're still supporting the church here, just like you would support other charities on a consistent basis. And so I just encourage you to think about that and engage in that. Lastly, uh, we just want to, you know, say that I think all of you would say faith is important in your life, right? Faith is a priority. You're here today, right? You could be doing many other things and you should be afraid of coming here because of the coronavirus, right? But you're here anyways, right? Faith is important. But I just invite you to continue to put your money where your mouth is, right? Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be. Is your treasure here in this church, in giving to God the Father? Is your treasure here? Is your heart here? God is with us at all times. He is in our midst. But do we always, do we, do we allow our heart, our treasure and our heart 
to be with him always. And one way that we can do that in the Mass is by the signs and symbols of giving. And so I hope that uh, that can help you to pray and to be a little bit more as opposed to just feeling like something that we just have to do to keep the lights on. There's so much more uh, in this Mass uh, for us to be able to participate in and to be able to understand.